I'm here with Angelo and Jay. She's hello, back. Hello. She didn't just leave back. us. We didn't, didn't kick her out. She mysteriously disappear. She said she was just going for cigarettes, and then I thought she'd never come back. The crazy just thing like was Daddy. she came back and there's no cigarettes. What was she doing? Weird. Mystery. Clearly not smoking, because that's a poor influence on the children. Also I bad for her voice. Anyway, I can't stand the smell of it. I don't mind the smell of wet tobacco. 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 Like when it's like sort of being rolled. Because my dad used to smoke and he'd used to like roll cigarettes. And I don't like the smell of smoking cigarettes at all. Like burnt tobacco. But I don't know what it is. Like the actual tobacco smell of it, like being the, I don't know what do you call it. Grains? leaves it's not leaves it's not like because it's not whole but like the bits anyways i don't know there's a good smell about that it's like rich and earthy so i think the last time i was in a cigar lounge there is something that smells particularly fragrant about cigars Mm -hmm. not cigarette smoke oh god no cigarette smoke smells awful Mm-hmm. True. Cigar smoke smells properly fragrant somehow. That being said, don't smoke. Yeah, please yeah. don't smoke. It's not good for you. We're just Save romanticizing that money for your about gotcha the, rolls. Yeah, we're romant we're romancing romanticizing the idea of like the aroma, but in terms romanticizing of romanticizing the, the times when I was five, smoke. inhaling the secondhand smoke from my parents. And look how you Oof. turned out. Welcome to the Odafest podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love you both. And I love you both deeply. All right. So what happened while I was away? So much happened in the world. Too Holy much shit. happened. My as I God. Recall, I'm scarred. As I recall, the internet had a lot of yeah. big disruptions. Where were you? Week. You left us. And then the internet broke. And then it broke again. The internet had a week. My it God. Did. Just so, like me. It did. Ugh. I am the internet. So, Yeah. Yeah, you are, Jay. Buy Jay, white computer cases. Can Jay, can you find me Facebook.com? Yes, it's on the internet. Oh, goddamn. So they fixed it then. Oh, oh. Now, yes. here's the thing. Very few of us really like social media. Very few of us like Facebook especially. That being said, uh, I know it's Lots technically of stuff a, runs on their infrastructure. Yeah, we're we're like a week late on it, but like the truth is, is like when Facebook went down for pretty much a day, at least in the Western Hemisphere, it screwed up a lot of things. It's not just your oh, I I can't get into my Facebook and I can't see you know people talk about crazy stupid stuff. It's logins and it's like anything associated like people who are playing pokemon go and connect your stuff to via facebook account that's gone and he's like well is that major it's like no but it's like a major inconvenience because you have to remember it's also instagram whatsapp messenger so nancy you know how when you when you try to integrate like a like button into a web page there's the yeah. div that you put where you want the button, and then there's like yeah. the script link. And usually uh-huh. they say in the comments, like, put this down at the bottom of the page to make sure that the yep. page loads just in case the script has a problem still. Yeah, imagine, I'm guessing a lot of devs don't actually do that. Imagine all the people who had a website 
who suddenly, because the Facebook uh, like button couldn't load, they had no website anymore. Yeah, basically, if you didn't know, the way JavaScript loads is that if it hits an error at any point loading all of the JavaScript for the entire page, it just stops. Mm -hmm. So anything after that div, that like button, whatever, just doesn't work. So let's let's roll it back a little bit. Mm -hmm. And let's get on to so, what actually happened. Yeah. So after reading the breakdown of the postmortem, it sounds like they royally screwed up the BGP. Yes. What is a BGP? So, BGP stands for Border Gateway Protocol. Now, if you are someone like me or possibly Jay, that doesn't mean anything to you. Uh, basically, what it does is when you type in facebook.com, something called a DNS server, a domain name server server, uh, translates facebook.com to the effective uh, equivalent of their phone number. It's like mm -hmm. looking up the number in your contacts. But what Facebook did was they configured one of their servers that stands above DNS wrong. And so... As far as the internet was concerned, for like, what was it, six or seven hours? It did uh, not exist. Facebook.com did not exist. You could actually, someone saw that the domain was actually up for sale. Oh, like, wow. It had, open, it, had, it had been released because it was not in circulation. Like, you could not reach. It, it, it didn't exist. Literally. I hope people actually tried to buy it and just lost their money. Because oh, good yeah. luck. Mm -hmm. no. But, no, uh, they, they would have gotten a refund. Yeah. But I, I, I heard that because, uh, not surprisingly, in order to access, like the reason why this problem wasn't fixed earlier, even though technically it's like a big problem, but it's also like a technically simple problem in a sense. But it reason, oh yeah, after it, you update it, the one thing you just have to send one more configuration change yeah. to do the one thing in the opposite direction. But the reason why it wasn't fixed earlier uh, was because again, these are all running on Facebook servers, running the same protocols. So as an employee needing to uh, authenticate yourself as like being like entering the system, whether it's like signing in for your shift or like. Uh, doing anything at work, that whole system was gone as well. It could, like, you you know, you couldn't participate in that, uh, I guess, like, in the system itself. So it's it was like they had to essentially break into their own stuff. The funniest thing to me is that they literally had to break in to their own data center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I did find that rather amusing. All security and all safety protocols that they would normally have used, like anyone who works in an office or any, like, you know, if you use scan cards or logins for anything, every all of it was down. egg that they had was yeah. in the Facebook basket. Yes. And it's not, you know, like it, it, you could be like, well, that's dumb. Or it's like, no, that's, a, that's the way a lot of things I think work. Like you don't, they uh, being a large corporation, you kind of just you you tend to put your eggs in your own basket, right? So it's not really a like, surprise. It's just a surprise to see that it actually happened. But uh, I I actually feel for the data center team because <laughs> yeah. I have uh, been 
in something of a similar situation before. Oof. Was it PGP uh, or was it someone something slightly different? Did you do it? Extremely different, but uh, similar in, in the, the same, same way that it resulted in our doors being inoperable. Oh, wow. Woof, woof, woof. Uh, the lucky thing was uh, that I was locked inside. <laughs> so uh, we at least had someone around to be able to try but to You only had out. four hours of oxygen left. Uh, it actually took about 30 minutes. It was okay. But four hours of oxygen. six to seven hours. Once we tracked down the problem, uh, I actually can't get into the details of the problem. Of course. But once we tracked down the problem, it was very easy. But mm. uh, in the meantime, because of the situation, we had customers trying to come in and the front door literally could not be opened. Uh, the, the man traps to get into the data center could not be operated. Uh, and that's like the whole time we had our facilities guys on hand. We, because of what was going on, we had our whole facilities team on hand. So they were also like trying to uh, work to make it so that customers could get on site. That's just so wild because like I say this all we the time. We didn't have to break out the angle grinders. I, I say this all the time, but like uh, because like some, something similar happened to me on like a in a very small microcosm effect, but like I. As much as we all love technology, I really think that analog uh, access to things needs to still be very ubiquitous because we see the effects of things, like uh, we see the effects of what happens when technology is the primary and like uh, the primary solution, the primary answer to to any problem that we have. But when that fails us, whether it's like power outages or some sort of like technical issue. Analog is the way to go. Angle grinding is the way to go. Well, it could be example, easier than angle grinding. That's why our fire escapes have to be analog. Yes. Uh, our fire escapes, any time that either the fire alarm trips or the power gets cut, they unlock. They take electricity to be locked. Uh, the only situation, the reason we wouldn't be able to use the fire escapes for this sort of situation was because uh, they only work for getting out of the data center, not for getting in. Right. Yeah. And that all makes sense. But again, uh, it's weird sometimes that we are like, oh, technology should like govern everything. It's like, hmm, not everything. Not always. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's talk about the other bit real quick here about how the internet broke. Now, this is not like for everyone, but it's everyone that I know <laughs> because everyone <laughs> I know watches Twitch in some way. Oh, yeah. Or is on Twitch in some way. I learned how rich some of my favorite streamers are. I always, oh my God. I always assumed, I, I always assumed, like I had a general idea because I like sort of guesstimating maybe someone's worth even though it has no real value to me. But uh, there so, was a big leak, as in everything leaked at Twitch. Yes. So, so uh, Nancy? So has Twitch actually come out and talked about how the leak happened? No, they haven't. No, okay, They have so done nothing guess. other than acknowledging that the leak happened. Yes. So here's my and guess. And that's it. My guess is that either... The easiest one is someone internal leaked it, all of it. 
Uh, but what I think it was is that someone had uh, either gotten into one of the code repos, I'm guessing Git, because Git is super, super, super prolific in the coding world. Someone either got credentials to get into Git and look at all the code slash download all of the code and the database access bit to get in there and actually get all that data. I am willing to, to bet that there were uh, credentials embedded in one of the one of the config files somewhere. Like I'm, oh, I'm betting, you're almost definitely right about that. I'm betting credentials were embedded in like a file, like an Ansible file somewhere or a config file or something, something that gave them somewhere to start. And then when they got everything, they just let it rip. Hmm. Well, like that's the thing. Once, once you have one way into their network, then you can really start messing around. Uh, and that could be as, as simple as like, who knows? Maybe an employee went to work, had nothing to do over lunch period, busted out their laptop to watch their favorite streamer on, and their laptop had uh, had some kind of bad actor code on it from uh, from their uh, activities outside of work. Who knows? I don't knows? know if it would be that simple because what they're saying is is that well. Almost personal devices should never be able to get on the company network. Right, but almost but, you know, everything that Twitch is has been has been leaked or or has been accessed and is now slowly being released. The interesting thing is that the the person or group sort of behind it is saying that they're not trying to harm like the streamers, which I can sort of believe, but they're like we're going after Twitch because Twitch has had all these issues and they haven't been fixing them and they haven't addressed them in a timely manner. Um, whether it's simple or not, uh, people like the community as a whole has felt like they've been sort of left hanging at times by, uh, by like Twitch admins and uh, all these sort of people that actually do the work behind the scenes. And as a result, they've leaked everything from like source code They've leaked uh, financial statements for all the money that uh, Twitch makes, essentially, by the way of showing, like, I think it was, like, the top, uh, like, 100 streamers that make, like, mm -hmm. the most money on the platform, which you have to remember, was, that's only half that. the money. That's not technically even half the money. That's just half the money of what they have, uh, they don't get. The other half goes so to the, Twitch. So uh, the leaked earnings included... Uh, uh, subscribers and bits mm -hmm. it didn't include exclusivity deals it didn't include obviously like uh stream labs or stream elements donations mm -hmm. uh people who make merch on the included, side and all that stuff as the well the kind of public things mm -hmm. uh did we want to talk about like streamer earnings or anything because i mean it's already like it's literally out there i don't really think we have to talk about so much as people can find it it's not hard to find the one, you literally the one thing can, that surprised me yeah. Was XQC making $750,000 a month when the next highest person was like 100000 or something like that? I only learned that XQC was a person like today. <laughs> so I knew XQC was popular on Twitch, but I've never looked at his numbers. And uh, uh, Charlie, uh, Penguin Zero, there's a lot of uh, different names he goes by. Moist Critical, that's the most com common name. Right. He actually made this argument too. 
the subscriber count is basically public. You can take that number and multiply it by 2.5 exactly. to get the absolute minimum of what they're taking home a month, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like nobody could have known this. Yeah. Like I uh, said, I already guesstimate. To me, I, I, so for some of the names that I know about or the ones that I actually follow that are bigger streamers uh, that are on the list... I was Big already streamers that I, I wasn't that far off from what I thought they were making as as it was as a as sort of a thing. I'm not going to name them, but big streamers like, oh. that I watch that I knew were millionaires because they have said it. Mm-hmm. They were making like in, in some cases less than a hundred thousand dollars a month, which oh oh la di da less than a hundred thousand dollars. I'll take just south of a hundred thousand dollars a month. Gladly. But it's it's but, I want to I want to point out that like a lot of that if anyone's really XQC salty was at about seven hundred and fifty holy shit sure I I don't like I said I don't how know do all I the streamers Quebecois? I don't know all the streamers I don't know how they all do their own business but it's also important to remember that like this is just raw like capital but it's not exactly take home in a sense like you need to invest in your own brand you probably have merchandise you have probably advertising deals. You have other work you have to put in and invest into. So it's like, yes, rich, but it's not a surprise because they're big entertainers. Like that's that's like uh, being like, I'm surprised that uh Ryan Reynolds is rich. It's like, no, of course not. For some of these streamers, their taxes, their immediate income tax can be as high or higher than like forty percent. Unless you live in like I think Florida. Florida's an income tax free state. Uh because of the way that Twitch works. It's not exactly that easy. I don't even know how. I don't want to talk about it actually, but I was going to say I, like, I don't do understand. Follow, I'm not I sure don't how someone follows the U.S. tax code. Yeah, I barely even understand Canadian taxes. All I know is that I have a Canadian friend who's like, "Yeah, it's like fifty percent that I have to pay in taxes on this shit." Sure, but I just uh, don't understand how uh, a government can actually follow up on on uh, digital statements. I guess. Because it's all in, I wouldn't say exactly a public ledger, but it is in a few hundred different hundred or thousand ledgers that are being effectively made uh, clear to the government. Because every company, every legitimate company has to declare their taxes. They have to declare who they paid out their money to so that they're not paying tax on that money, so that the person who they paid out is paying the tax on that money. I guess that's true. And so the government then it can go like, okay, so you made this money, you have to give us the money. Does Twitch send out T4s to us Canadians? Uh, it's a different kind of page. It's not exactly a T4, it's the American equivalent, but uh-huh. you can use that uh, with uh, your taxes. You can basically include that kind of form as a as a tax and like simple tax or turbo tax any of them mm-hmm. uh work with it right so yeah Makes at sense, some though. point that's being reported to some government body oh it absolutely is the government yeah. of canada knows exactly how much you're making through twitch aside from all the government talk and tax talk uh some of the other stuff that was kind of interesting that has been leaked from twitch is there's like uh, they wanted to do some game distribution, so they have something apparently called like Vapor, which I don't That's think is a right. great name. No, that was a code name. I know, that but it's a, a code terrible, name because they even, were... even then it's a terrible name because it references Steam. Vaporware is a negative connotation. <laughs> exactly, that's the thing. Like it is their version of Steam, so oh, call it call it Vapor or call it Smoke or something call like it that. 
Call it gas. But yeah, that's from like that's the Amazon side of things that they want to do uh game distribution. Um there's stuff like I guess Curse Forge, which is like old now. I don't know anyone who really uses Curse Forge. Um and just what a whole Curse bunch Forge? of Curse Forge, as I remember it, was sort of another sort of uh game assistance tool, not like cheats or anything like that. But it would uh, actually. I'm going to look it Wait up. Wait a minute. I used, did that, I used did that very, have I used anything to do with time? Did that have anything to do with like Curse? Because yeah. Curse was a uh, a voice chat similar to Ventrilo. Yes, but it also had like mods and stuff that were. It, it, it had like, um, I want to say almost like a Steam Workshop like uh, type type additions and stuff like that. Damn. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it other than it was sort of a third party. It was non Steam, but yes, it had voice because I remember some people it, back in like Overwatch times used to like really push that, and then some other thing. But yeah, like mods were a big part of the community. It's still up and around. It's just not nearly as big as uh, they wanted it to grow. But yeah, what well, stuff, bro? This is kind of a uh, a self defeating question because we currently have the analog of of Epic, but. What would it take to beat Steam at their own game? Like, because Epic isn't you doing need, it. Well, you'd need something with really high market. Epic's even pulling back on their on their sort of uh, market model because I don't really use Epic. Um, Me neither. I kind of have. I know that they give a bunch of free games. I have too many games to play as it is. I don't need free games. Um, I also just don't love some of the stuff they've done in the past, but. Um, I've heard that their free game model is sort of, uh, be slowing down. It used to be like a free game a week, but now they're like sort of extending that over the course of like maybe two weeks or a month, which means they're sort of slowing down on that, uh, introduction model, I guess. Mm -hmm. If we, if we look at the history of, of companies with their own launcher or storefront or things like that. Uh, there was like the EA with Origin. Is Origin still around or did they kill it? I kind of remember it being kind of like EA dead. is still its own thing. It's, I wouldn't call it dead. I would just uh, say that it's because there's like a, I think there's a big there subset was the Ubisoft that uses launcher. It. So anyone who plays sports games is probably all over EA Origin. I'm just there's saying There's the Ubisoft launcher as well. It's yeah. in a similar situation as Origin. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the biggest... Uh, the biggest and most obvious entry and exit of that market was actually Discord. Remember how Discord had a, had a, had a game store for a while? No. Really? I yes. actually don't. No. Oh, wow. Okay. What? So That doesn't sound familiar. Like, this... Are you surprised, Nancy? Because I'm, I'm, I actually don't know about this. This I... happened, I want to say, two or three years ago. I might be wrong on the time scale. Uh. But it was it was kind of a big deal. Discord came out with a game store. It's like, oh my god! Discord blew up, and it became the the biggest uh, private server kind of like chat messaging and voice chat service. And now suddenly it has a game store built in. Discord is trying to be Steam, and it wasn't awful. I never actually bought anything from it. Like I was just like, okay, it's there. It's showing me things. Whatever. And then I want to say six months to a year after they introduced it, they got rid of it. 
They got rid like, of it in October 2019. Yes. Interesting. Exactly yeah, that right. two years ago. I feel like because I, uh, I feel like I've used Discord for a while. I just don't remember them having any sort of distribution. But yo, whatever. Yo, I still see on Discord's website you can sell things on your server. Huh? Is this is this right? If you have a Discord server, you can sell things on that server. Where directly to fans. Maybe you need to be like a a, a partnered server. I couldn't say for certain, but uh, yeah, like that was a thing. Front. What? And That's, so I didn't know about. Where this. is this? Well, I don't see this. It's, I'm uh, on their website. I think. Discord. I think this just kind of proves how much you can't compete directly against Hold on. Steam. Angelos. Hold on. I want to check this out. I'm gonna send you a link. One second. I'm gonna send you a link. Yeah, because I want to know. I don't know why this is like intriguing to me because I have pretty much no. sell Holy your cow. game. That is so neat. Why isn't this Set being used your more? Servers, find your fans. Build your, because it it didn't need to exist. Like the reality what? is, you're going to be on Steam anyway. Because if you're not on Steam, you're not selling your game to as many people as you could sell to. But uh, what about the Apple Arcade? No, I'm good. <laughs> Just no, uh, and so. Like it, it was superfluous. It probably cost them more to maintain than they were making through profits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reality was that they would have had to sink so much time, effort, and money just to match Steam's feature set that the reality was they would only, at best, be as good as Steam. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't get better than Steam, and they wouldn't get that kind of market share that Steam has. I don't know if Epic is getting into that position where they're starting to see their market share pay off or if they're even like a blip right now. Uh, but for the most part, everyone that I know, whoever used Epic for anything was like, yeah, I use it for Fortnite and free games. I'm not buying other games through it. Also also true. I don't know how many people really exclusively I push through I do not know Epic. a single person who has bought something on Epic. I'm sure I know people who have bought games on Epic, but I want to point out that this is... So one is true and the flip is not. I know people, one of them being me and probably you two, where you have Epic and you might want to take the free games, but you don't buy on Epic. But you do I have Steam. I legitimately don't have an Epic account. Okay, so none of us do it. So I have Steam and I buy games through Steam. I don't have Epic because I just don't care about free games. And I have other friends who do have Steam and they have Epic but I only know that they really buy through Steam. They also do have like Xbox Game Pass, but that's sort of a different distribution system, so I can't really compare. But the Epic stuff, they just take the free game and leave. Like I don't know. You're right. When I like, I don't know the if the flip exists where like people are like, I'm only on Epic because Steam doesn't do really free games. Every now and then, there's like one I'm or two free games. I'm only on Facebook games, and I'm on Steam and Epic. For but the, the flip the, doesn't the exist, so that's actually really interesting. But also, the other thing is that Steam has the most integrated. Like, it has its own like modding system for some games with Workshop. It has the Greenlight system for like indie games. I don't know if that's still a thing right now, but um, uh, Greenlight was killed a long time ago. Yeah, now it's, not, it's I think they called Steam Direct. That's what it where is. Where it yeah. is. You pay us $100 and your game is on Steam as long as it doesn't break our TOS. Yeah. Mm. 
And if you sell $400 worth of stuff, you get that $100 back. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. Never really thought about it like that. I don't know. I don't know if so, Steam has a very serious competitor now that you Quite that frankly, up. Twitch was smart to kill the Vapor Project early on. To be fair. The other interesting thing about this leak is that even though the source code for Twitch was leaked, nobody in their right mind will ever touch that source code to try to use it to make a Twitch competitor. No, because that you're going to get sued to the ground. Even if it wasn't getting sued to the ground, the reality is so much of what Twitch does is hardware and networking mm-hmm. that if you have the the source code, good that fucking luck. That doesn't get you anything. Yeah. Just good luck. It does. It's not enough. Uh, but yeah, the other part is you would get sued to the ground if you even tried. Mm-hmm. The only thing that the source code leak really does is that unfortunately it makes it so that hacks later on are more possible or easier to do mm-hmm. because bad actors can pour over the code and see what's exploitable here. Mm-hmm. What can I work with? What are the ways in? So this is where I'm really worried about the hate raids, because once they find whatever Twitch has been doing recently to try and limit them, they're just going to find better ways around it. Because now they have the actual source code. They they don't even have to ask questions like, oh, I wonder if this will work. I wonder if that'll work. And Twitch was doing so have. well before with being able to control them. <laughs> <laughs> even before <laughs> they had But access. now they'll have several other loopholes yeah. to get in. It's garbage. But... It is the platform that we're on. That's what we got. I don't. I don't know anyone moving over to Facebook Live or YouTube. Hey, do, do any of us know like a solid, legitimate reason why Twitch came out as such a heavy hitting contender in that space? Because I know the history of it in game uh, streaming specifically, or yeah, yeah, game streaming. They started off not just like any so live streaming. They one of the reasons is because they actually had an existing user base. Number uh, way back, it used to be Justin TV, mm-hmm. uh, and Justin TV was still sort of niche back then. But it was like, sort of like I don't know, it, it wasn't exactly the a. It didn't. It didn't. Of Justin TV back then was actually more similar to Twitch today. Yes, and then eventually the gaming side of Justin TV got so Picked big up. that they were like, okay, well, we're going to make Twitch.com specifically or Twitch.tv specifically for the gaming half of things. Mm-hmm. Justin TV is still going to exist for a while. That's fine. But both are going to exist. And then Twitch just blew the fuck up. Mm-hmm. It got huge to the point where eventually they're like, well, Justin TV is kind of like a cancerous tumor on the side of Twitch. Let's cut it out. Get rid of it. We don't care anymore. And then Twitch for like five or six more years just kept doing its thing. And then people started streaming non-video game things on Twitch. Uh, it wasn't. It was wasn't even that. Like market. I think you got ahead of yourself though, because one of the big things was that larger names found their way to Justin earlier on than you would think. Not some of them aren't really around anymore. But to be fair, I don't know. I was not around for the Justin TV days. Right. So me neither. That's why I'm trying to say, like, the reason why 
Justin TV and becoming Twitch TV became so big was because at that time, uh, it was really still just about video hosting and not streaming. Justin was probably one of the few, like, it's focused on streaming. And it still is. Uh, VODs and stuff are, like, not its primary source of of uh, revenue. Twitch does not care if you watch VODs. Yeah. That's why they only have temporary VODs for the most part, for most users. Um, and then the fact that you can sort of transport that over to YouTube, they don't really care about that either. They're just like, here, take the content, you host it, because we don't want it. And YouTube still mostly remains as a video hosting service, not a streaming service, even though you can. I don't know anyone who really loves the YouTube streaming experience. I don't like the YouTube community either. So God, when it comes to the YouTube part. streaming, like I'm, I'm absolutely biased. I'm for, for Twitch viewing. I'm totally into it for, for, for stream viewing. I'm totally into it for Twitch for, for YouTube. It just feels bad. It's not a good experience. <laughs> Really? Oof. Like, so let's let's keep rolling it back a little bit. And uh, so Twitch, it feels good to watch things on. That's been the case for quite a while. Uh, their networking, their streaming and everything, the chat has been there since the beginning, effectively. Mm-hmm. And uh, the crazy thing about Twitch, especially now, it wasn't always this this way, but especially now, it's so easy to spread your viewers around Twitch, to discover new people on Twitch, to find new things on Twitch, for people that you actively follow to push you in the direction of new content creators on Twitch, that it's a completely different, more cohesive, almost community-driven streaming platform where let's say you like VTubers, you're watching a VTuber on Twitch, stream ends, they send you to their favorite VTuber or their friendly VTuber or someone. And so you find this whole another person you might never have watched otherwise. The algorithm might never have thought you wanted to watch otherwise, but because the person who was running the stream thought that their viewers might like them, Mm -hmm. you're seeing them now. And so like, because of that, Twitch is really great, not only for watching, but for watching at any point in the day and for keeping on. Whereas YouTube, it feels very insular. Like if you are trying to pay attention to a YouTube channel, Mm -hmm. uh, especially for their live streams, it's difficult. Like it's actively hard. I don't know if it's hard. I just don't try. So if they're not scheduling the live stream, if you're just going to YouTube to see, okay, what streams are live right now? Uh, from my perspective, at least, I'm probably doing it wrong, but it's hard to pick out the live streams out from the actual videos. The only difference is that it says like live in the bottom left corner of the thumbnail. And sometimes when it says that it's not live right now, that just means, oh, it's a scheduled live for later on. So I have to remember and come back for that. And then I go to watch it. Let's say I try to watch it on, on YouTube. Okay. I've got the chat on the right. I've got the screen on the left. But I want the screen to take up more of the space. I want to see the screen and the chat only. On Twitch, it's one button. It puts you into theater mode. You get both. Great. On YouTube, fuck you. Hey, that's fair. 
On YouTube, you want the stream bigger? Okay, but you don't wanna go full screen? Okay, we got you. You click the bigger button and it makes the stream really big and then it puts the chat to the bottom and right of the screen so you can't actively pay attention to both at the same time. Hmm. Uh, okay, weird. well, what? Uh, so I click the full screen button. Okay, the video takes up the whole screen and the chat is completely gone. You can't even scroll to see it. Uh, and and P there's going to be a lot of people who are like, oh, but the chat is just youthless. You're here for the freaking uh, stream. I'm here to bother the streamer. I want to I want to get in their chat and I want to like talk about armpits or something. I'm here to to armpits. cause. I am an agent of chaos. Tell I am here to spam armpits. the lull emote. I guess. <laughs> and uh, and for YouTube streams, it's very much a shut up and watch experience. Whereas with which Twitch stream, Twitch streams, it is a get the fuck in here experience. Like that, when I'm watching a Twitch stream, it feels like I'm part of it. When I'm watching a YouTube stream, it feels like it's just blasting me with frames. If, if you get me, frames straight to like, the eyeballs. Yeah, like for one, I'm watching it. For the other one, I'm kind of like I'm there in the stream i i am you're the engaged. chat yeah you're engaged you're participating there's actual interaction happening between you and other viewers and the streamer yeah yeah and uh I'd, twitch just makes that work whereas youtube it feels like youtube streaming does everything in its power to stop that from happening YouTube streaming always struck me as more of a, we care about broadcasting, not so much about the, the two-way interaction. Yes. Yeah. And uh, because of that, like, there are some streamers that I like that primarily stream on YouTube. Me and too. because of that, I, I straight up don't watch them as much as I'd actually like to. I end up watching them and don't pay attention to chat because they almost never answer or interact with the chat anyway, so I just close it. Yeah, usually on, on YouTube, the streaming culture is that they'll only interact with Super Chats. And it's like, mm. well, what the fuck? I mean, I guess they're throwing it's, me money. I should it's, probably it's, it's answer their question. It's pay to play. Yeah, a little bit. I totally see that. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, like with the really big Twitch channels, uh, if you're just typing in chat, the chances of of you actually having any uh uh being read being read that that's also a difference between big twitch channels and small twitch channels in big twitch channels usually i'm just spamming emotes usually i'm just like oh that was hype time to spam the hype emotes oh that was that was poggers time to time to spam the 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 whatever custom pog emote that i have <laughs> uh that was funny let's just l u l l u l u l whatever Whereas in smaller chats, it's more like almost a direct dialogue with the streamer. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I think I prefer my streams smaller for that reason. They're comfy. They, they're comfy. I like doing the comfy thing. I like just having, you know, three. Wait, you don't want Are you sure, or do you want to make seven hundred and fifty dollars, uh, seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month? I mean, dude, I I don't think I even know what I would do with all those tax dollars. Man. Imagine, imagine if your problem was fifty thousand dollars a month. Yeah, imagine if your problem was I didn't know what to do with three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars a month after taxes. I would love to have I that would, problem. Give me that problem. Yes, I please. 
probably give a lot of that to charity. I'm not gonna, I'm not kidding. I think I would actually just choose a different charity to give that to every year. I'm a charity. Give it to me. <laughs> I'm a charity. Support me. I'll, know, I'll, I'll go to the government. I'll rename myself to charity. <laughs> Seriously, though, there are a lot of very worthy charities around. No, absolutely. Uh, wow. So backtracking a little bit, I guess. Speaking of Steam. That's Steam a big backtrack, but it is. Yes, it, it is, is a big backtrack. But they did release a video last week where they tore down the Steam Deck. So I watched this video, and I was I was really there for it. I was like, okay, I I intend to buy a Steam Deck. I'll watch this. And so it's a teardown video where it's not uh, it's not a full teardown, but they're like, this is how you replace the SSD, and that's immediately interesting because the base model comes with a sixty four gig SSD. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, and this is also how you replace the joysticks. It's like, oh, oh, so in the case of something like the Nintendo Switch, where the joysticks constantly break. And your solution is buy new eighty or ninety dollar joysticks. Uh, Valve makes it so you just pop the back off, uh, undo a couple screws and a ribbon cable, pop the new joystick in, and then you're back. You're back at the races. So Valve has made no. Uh, they have made it completely clear they don't want you taking apart the Steam Deck. They have said, yes, the SSD is replaceable. No, we don't consider it a user serviceable part. Uh, that sounds contradictory. It's not exactly, but it sounds contradictory. And this video, this teardown video that they posted is full of that contradiction. And they even say it in the first minute. They're like, on one hand... This video is about how to take the Steam Deck apart and how to do these two things. But the main point of this video is why you shouldn't do this. And so they make a couple points, a little bit hyperbolic, a little bit not. They're like, oh, if you take it apart wrong, the battery could burn down your house and kill everyone you love and destroy everything that you have and the world would end. Do they say it like that, though? Uh, they say that if you damage the battery, you could literally die. Ooh, yeah, that would that would do. I it, mean, yeah. they're not wrong. They're not. It could. The battery could. I once tried to fix my Steam Deck, and then I died in a car crash. It can happen to you. I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing they said, and they really stressed it, was that just the fact that once you've opened up the Steam Deck, it's eight screws, uh, and once you've opened it up. The structural structural integrity of the Steam Deck will be compromised. It won't be as drop resistant as it otherwise would be. I don't know exactly why that's the case. They didn't explain why that was the case, but whatever, that's fair. And after that, they were like, yeah, this is how you do the things. Uh, the SSD is replaceable, but it's so close to the Wi-Fi module that other SSDs might interact with your Wi-Fi. They might interfere with your Wi-Fi. Uh, mm, yes. My laptop so has that problem. The SSD that was in it actually has shielding on both sides, if you look closely. Uh, they mentioned how, okay, they've got replaceable, replaceable joysticks. They're on their own little daughter board in the unit. The whole unit is filled with freaking daughter boards. Holy shit. 
It's how you uh, properly delegate processing power. So, quite frankly, uh, looking at the Steam Deck, it's like, sure, they don't want you to replace it. At the same time, they never said opening it voids the warranty. In fact, they went as far as to... I'm, they didn't say this. I felt that it was implied that even if you opened it up, even if you replaced the SSD, they wouldn't warranty the new SSD, but the device would not have its warranty voided by doing that. Mm-hmm. It was actually is... pretty interesting. It was a very pro right to repair video, even mm-hmm. if the whole point of the video was to discourage you from repairing it. I mean, I liked it. I like I like the tone they take, given what you've said, because I've seen how some friends take care of their devices. I wouldn't trust them to take that apart. Most people come to me because they know that I'll take something apart and I'll be super freaking careful when I do it. That's probably the right audience for, like, the instructional bits. But for the most part, I don't think most people that I know should be taking things apart. Oh, absolutely not. Um, like, I, I, do... I even recognize that more often than not, I shouldn't be taking apart the things that I do take apart. It's just that, uh, try and stop me. Internal stress suddenly escalates. Um, I... I do really appreciate it because it comes right on the tails of uh, that highly repairable laptop that we talked about a few episodes ago. Yeah, the framework laptop. The framework laptop. I still Thank want you. one. I forgot the name. And I, I feel like the community that's around pro right to repair type issues, that that whole community is always very very supportive of helping you if you do have a problem and you're like hey i think my wi-fi chip just like burnt itself but i have no idea which one it is and i want to fix it how do i do that and usually they also approach the topic with the same note this is how you do it but if you don't think you can handle fine like little wires like this and you don't have the tools please go to someone who does yeah and it's not usually Sometimes people say it in a condescending sense. Usually it's in a supportive sense. Like, let's say, oh, uh, you have a desktop PC and you need to replace the graphics card or the power supply. There are going to be some really vocal uh, uh, vocal PC enthusiasts out there who say, oh, you don't know how, how to replace a graphics card? <laughs> you pleb. Join the PC Masteries. Do this and that and the other thing. And I get good. Get good. No, no, that's stupid. Uh, Whereas I like to think that the majority of people would be like, okay, this is an easy thing to do. uh, But if you're not, if you're not comfortable doing it, I can show you how. Or if you're not comfortable with me doing it for you and showing you how, it might be worth taking to a store. But it is a thing that can be done. Yeah, totally doable. But here are all the risks. Yes. Um, so I think I've mentioned it before, but I have a System76 laptop, and that those are sold specifically to be machines that run Linux. They offer you quite a few options to, to come pre-installed. Uh, you can ask them to install Pop! OS, or you can you know ask them for like Ubuntu or Alpine or whatever you want. Uh, but the support articles for these laptops, amazing. They tell you how to open it, with including every single screw diagram you could need because they have a non-standard way of attaching the keyboard to the frame and then also 
all the stuff stuck to that. And they tell you exactly how to do it. Non-standard in a good or a bad way? Uh, I haven't found it to be particularly bad. Just as long as you know what order uh, to take the screws off, you're good. Um, but it does kind of... It, it trumps standard uh, logical, this is how I would attach a keyboard to the inside of a laptop for me. Um, but because they have very accessible articles on how to do that and where to find... Here's your Wi-Fi chip. Here's the SSD. Here's where the RAM slots are, and this is what you should be replacing it with. Da 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 da. Very, very, very in depth with pictures and everything. It's very easy to do if you have the right screwdrivers and you are a very careful person. And I really like that. And I want more laptop providers to do that. And funny story, I will be moving to a Mac laptop to develop on soon. Oh no. Goodbye. I have. No idea how to approach this. Oh, I'm not no. mentally prepared. I have not Here, ever had to dev on a Mac Here's how you before. approach this. Here's how you approach this. Uh, build yourself a good desktop and virtualize OS X. I wish we had more time in the uh, podcast today because I want to ask you guys about your thoughts on Windows 11. But you know what? This is a good spot to start. I have none. You have none. I, have I mean, I have no used thoughts it. on Windows There's 11. No... I, I, I am not I, I wish going I could... to use Windows 11 anytime soon. That's fair. I I couldn't tell you anything because I'm not looking into it until it is going to be given to me, and I'll be like, sure, then I'll have an opinion. But there's no reason to really look into it for right now. Not until they make those, me. Those are valid valid thoughts. But good luck, everybody anyway. else. <laughs> Good luck to everyone who is going to try, and I would like to hear your thoughts if you do manage to be one of the first early adopters to the officially released Windows 11. Yes, yes. All and right. with that, we must bid you adieu. A what? See you next time. What's a do? Adieu. A two. Gesundheit. Goodbye. Goodbye.